Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Mick Collagio with the second episode of Rink Wrap, the podcast. I'm coming to you from the Standard Times in New Bedford, Mass. And uh, today you're going to talk about uh, Ryan Spooner, uh, the center for the Boston Bruins, who uh, this year was arbitration eligible as a restricted free agent. For those of you who uh, don't understand what all that means, there are two kinds of free agents in uh, professional hockey. There are the uh, unfettered free agents, unrestricted, otherwise known as UFAs or Group 3s. And then there are the uh, much larger group of Group 2s. Those are the restricted free agents, the younger players who have not yet reached the magic age, which these days is about 27. Uh, It also depends what time you came in the league and under what circumstances can also affect that. Uh, Ryan Spooner, who is 25 and will turn 26 during this season, I believe January 30th of 2018, he uh, was uh, on the precipice of an arbitration hearing, and these things can be very unpleasant, uh, and uh, because the Bruins have been pretty open about the critiques of his game and his uh, years of developing with the Bruins, uh, which is now, what, uh, 14, 15, uh, he's now coming into his fourth NHL season, and uh, it's terrific speed, natural skater, uh, a great burst through the middle of the rink, but um, probably pretty timid uh, and slow to accept the physical part of the game. Uh, not that every player has to be Brad Marchand or Patrice Bergeron. Uh, the point is, is that you, whatever you do, you have to do it with great compete level in order to be successful in the NHL. And uh, Ryan Spooner, uh, kind of famous for his 10 to 2 move, that uh, frickin' frack kind of thing he does, where he opens up his rear skate and faces the middle of the rink, but then doesn't really cut speed and then resumes his forward stride and freezes uh, people who expect him to take the puck to the middle or push the puck to the middle. And um, that has been a very exciting uh, move for him uh, in the minor leagues, not so much in the NHL. Uh, because in the NHL, it's a very organized, well-defended game in which players who are on the perimeter, uh, they don't get too bothered if that's where they stay. And for the most part of Ryan Spooner's career, that's where he has stayed. He came to camp this year 10 pounds heavier. Uh, the point was to add some muscle to make himself feel more confident in the puck battles along the boards. He thinks he can do a better job that way. He certainly has had a couple of knockdown hits in the preseason for the Bruins. Kind of raised some eyebrows. Is he changing who he is as a player? Probably not. But if he can just become a little stronger in those situations, win his share of pucks, as Coach Bruce Cassidy said, then the Boston Bruins may have themselves a third-line center that they always hoped that Ryan Spooner would be. The irony of all of this is the Bruins have about 12 prospects who are all set to try to push him out of this uh, role. Uh, Jakob Forsbaka Carlson, uh, the Swedish import from Boston University, uh, is uh, vying for an NHL work this year. He had a bit of a a setback in camp with an injury and therefore uh, lost some time. 
but Spooner has played so well, there is no doubt now that the Bruins are going to go into the season with him as their third-line center. Um, when you figure that Riley Nash, the grinding center that the Bruins uh, got uh, from Carolina uh, in the offseason, actually but prior to last offseason, I should say, uh, he he is uh, really emerged as a as a strong fourth line type of center who can play third line when necessary. And don't forget, David Backus was a center before the St. Louis Blues moved him to wing during the playoffs before he left the organization and signed as a free agent with the Bruins. So there, there's a lot going on here. Austin Zarnick, uh, he's he's short, but he's pesky. He's quick and he's competitive. The Bruins trying to see if he can play right wing. Sean Corrali from uh, Miami, Ohio. Uh, he he played very well for the Bruins when he got his shot in the playoffs and obviously scored those two goals to win game five and extend the Ottawa series. Uh, Corrali is somebody who the Bruins are uh, wanting their plans. And in, they're probably going to push him to left wing because at the when the puck drops, you only want to roll four centers. So uh, what happens now with Ryan Spooner? Well, it looks for sure that he's going to be the Bruins' third-line center. I got a chance to catch up with Ryan today uh, at Bruins camp. It's Saturday, uh, September 30th, and uh, we talked after his skate. He uh, was scheduled to play tonight in Chicago, and and we we spoke about uh, a lot of things. So here's about an, an eight-minute one-on-one that I got today with Ryan Spooner. You know, at the beginning of this camp, you mentioned that you put on a, a little bit of muscle. I'm not seeing any reduction in speed. Are you feeling any reduction in speed? Um. I haven't really noticed that. Um, I don't think so. I, I haven't really put on that much weight, like five to ten pounds. But um, you know. I think fine-tuned athletes can probably feel anything, right? You know, I mean, any little bit. But you're saying everything's normal as far as how fluid you are and all of that. Everything is speed-wise. I feel, yeah, I feel fine. Because I, it looks the same. It passes the eye test. It seems like you're not giving up any of that. While at the same time, your shoulders seem harder around the pucks. And uh, that's a huge thing for you because it's, it's like hockey has this fine line where I remember Glenn Murray when he broke into the NHL in the early 90s. He, as he put it, I didn't know how to skate. Well, it wasn't that dramatic, but he didn't have the, quite the stride production that he would have by, like, say, 2002. Yeah. Uh, it took him years to get that what was so natural for you for him to get that stride production. And he crosses this fine line on the forecheck, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Because now the, that split second that the D had, they don't have. Yeah. And he's bearing down, big body, good stick, yeah. and stuff happens. In your case... The speed has been the most natural thing. I remember watching you against the Ice Cats in Worcester, or whatever they were, the Sharks at the time. And um, I couldn't believe how quick you were. And yet, uh, and I'm sure this is very tiring for you to discuss, but your game just seems to be, you, you seem to be crossing this fine line where all hell may break loose. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think the most important thing for me is that I keep my speed. Like, that's kind of always been the thing I've had, and um, that's the most important thing for me. And I've kind of just tried to just get a little bit stronger and just try to add a little bit to my game. And kind of at the stage of my career now where if, if I don't do stuff like that, um, as I said before, then don't know how much longer I'm going to be playing here, you know. Um, it's great to be skilled and to be good on the power play, but that's all the teams really want. I mean, there's spots for, I guess, guys like that, but I don't want to be just known as the guys good on the power play. I want to be able um, to be trusted a lot more, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. And 
That's why I try to put on a little bit of weight and just go out there and just play a little bit more grit and just show that side of my game. And um, that's what I've been trying to do. And I don't want to lose the offensive side of my game and the speed and all that kind of stuff because that's kind of what I do well. I still want to play to my strengths, but I kind of want to build up the things that I wasn't necessarily that good at. Just kind of maybe bring those up a little bit and kind of round out my game a little bit. So that's, that's what I've been trying to do. Um, just as you we're really digging into this whole face-off question, they completely changed the rules on it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for you if everybody else has to figure it out too? It doesn't matter to me. I just go out there and play. I mean, I was mad in the first game because I got kicked out seven times. But um, <laughs> That's last crazy. Game, last game, I think I only got kicked out once, so I'm starting to get the hang of it. So... Uh, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I think it stops guys from, I guess, cheating. So um, it's not bad in my books. It just kind of takes some time to get used to. Are they bending at all, or is it just you, the players have to get used to the fact that you just cannot cross the line on the ice? I haven't really been paying that much attention, but it, it looks like they're staying pretty firm on that. I mean, I think if you're going to put a rule in like that, you got to kind of stay strict with it and not really let guys get back to how things were before. So, um, yeah, I mean... It's good to see that they made up the rule and they're kind of sticking to it. So. Um, now that you're starting to get a few, just in the course of playing the game, there's a knockdown hit here and there. Just because you're, you know, part of it is your attitude, part of it is you got this extra muscle that's helping you. Um, are you getting tripped because of that or anything? Are there flare-ups as a result of people getting on? Are the opponents no. getting your, no attention that way? No, no, I mean... I. I think if you're a player and you play hard, I, I think guys know that and they're not going to really say much. It's, it's kind of when you take a run at a guy when you shouldn't, that's that's where guys kind of get pissed off, right? They're just trying to, I guess, just protect the guys on their team. So um, I've never been like a dirty player and I don't intend on doing that. I'm, I'm just trying to be harder when I have the chance to get a puck back and play with a little bit more, some hard skill and just win some more pucks. And I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to be the kind of guy that goes out there and I guess runs guys. So the predatory guy. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I'm trying to do. I'm yeah. just trying to go out there and when it's my turn that I have to finish a check, I'm going to try to finish it. And if I'm first on the floor check and just little things like that that I haven't necessarily done in the past that I, I think that I can bring to my game, which um, that's what I've been trying to do. But I think guys, like all the guys in the league do that stuff. It's, it's when you hit a guy from behind or when you hit a guy when he moves the puck and a couple seconds later you kind of hit him in the head. That's like things get kind of Window. a little bit dicey. So mm-hmm. it's... Uh, I think when you're out there, you just gotta respect the guys you're playing against. Um, but at the same time, too, um, you gotta play hard against them, right? I mean, um, you and one guy on your team to get a cheap shot, so you don't want to be out there and being the guy that does that to the guys on the other team. So it's all about kind of respecting each other. It's going out there, just playing hard. And I think if guys do that, then um, I think the games are fine. And they end up good, so. For all the young, skilled players that started their careers here in the last ten years and who have moved on. Um, I don't think any of them, the uncertainty of their future here was discussed in the press or in the room or as much as yours. And you're here, this far down the road, you're here. Has that been distracting for you? Has that been hard to deal with? Or is that just something that you've just kind of said, well, this is my life as a pro? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of part of the game you got to kind of deal with it right like I've, I've been hearing stuff for like three or four years now and again you know um, I just want to help out the team here and I just put that in the back of my mind I just go out and play and um, I can't really let that get to you right I mean again it's kind of part of the business and guys kind of get traded and um, they kind of move on but I'm 
extremely happy that I'm still here and I just want to show them that I can help out here. So. It is one of the thrill story of camp here that the Bruins have this group, this really large group of guys pressing for yeah, maybe, I don't know if it's three or four jobs, but it's like 12 guys doing it. Yeah. And, and yet here you are, uh, one of the guys who was wearing a bullseye, and you're the one who's who's uh, looks very very good in your position right now. I mean, you, I'm sure you don't want to rest on anything or take anything for granted. You have to have, uh, obviously have learned this by now if you get this far in a, in a professional sports career. But uh, I mean, that that's uh, that's got to be a little gratifying to be in such a competitive situation and to be having what is by just about anybody's account your best camp. Yeah, I mean, um, I haven't scored a lot, but I, I think I've just shown, I guess, the things that they wanted me to work on. I just showed that I was, I guess, willing to at least just go out there and try to do those things, and I think that kind of goes a long way. Um, I mean, I think it's good, though, that we have a lot of guys that are young that are kind of pushing for spots. Um, I've talked about it before, and when you have teams that have those young guys that come up and they help you out, that's what kind of makes a good team great, you know? Like, you have the guys like Marshy and Bergie and Backy and Kretsch and Pasta, and they're always going to go out there and they're going to score. They're going to most of the time play extremely well for us, but it's um, going to be the guys that are younger and more of the depth guys that you need them to play well for the team to go far. So I think it's exciting to see that we have some guys that have the potential to step into that role for us. And um, if you look at the teams that win the cup, they have that depth. If you look at, I guess, Pittsburgh, um, they had some young guys there. They had Sherry, they had uh, Russ, they had Kunakle. They had guys that necessarily weren't big goal scorers um, when they first came up but they kind of uh, stepped into a role and they did extremely well so it's exciting to see that and I think if um, I think if we gel here as a team we have a good mix of group here with some guys that have been here and they've won before and and all that kind of stuff so it's exciting to see thanks so much for your time Ryan I really appreciate it Spooner had a lot to say he's always uh, give him credit for one thing uh, he has always been rather uh, candid and honest about his own game and um and and so when there's signs of maturity and what he has to say it makes you sort of believe it because uh he's always been pretty uh, transparent about where he really is and how he's thinking the game so uh that was ryan spooner uh a couple other things came out of camp today. Uh, Bruce Cassidy uh, said that uh, he's he's looking at Anton Hudobin as his backup goalie. Um, he was pretty funny. He said, I hope he doesn't go out now and uh, make me look like an idiot for saying that. But uh, now uh, Malcolm uh, Subban is in a precarious situation because he uh, needs to clear waivers in order to uh, go to Providence. Now, the Bruins have not said anything is set in stone. They don't have to do this until Monday or Tuesday to achieve the 23-man NHL roster limit. But they do have several cuts left to make. To wit, not only do they have to decide on goaltending, Tuka Rask, and right now Bruce Cassidy is saying that Anton Hudobin is his backup, provided by the time you hear this that he did not play himself uh, out of that uh, situation in Chicago. He was supposed to get the start in this game, the Bruins preseason finale. Uh, but if you look at the forward lines, for instance, uh, you know for sure you're going to have a top trio of Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and Anders Bjork. You are going to get a second line with David Krejci and David Pasternak, 
And then a left, left winger, to be determined. It's been Jake DeBrusque mostly through camp, but Peter Solerik, who had a brief tour with the Bruins last year and uh, seemed to have some chemistry with Krejci when he did so, uh, he had a setback before camp, so he just began uh, practicing in earnest with the Bruins, and he started getting some of those looks. Uh, so they're keeping it competitive. They're keeping it a little suspenseful here on what's going to happen to start the season. What happens below that with the bottom six spots or seven or eight, depending on how many players the Bruins carry, uh, you know that Ryan Spooner is going to play center. You know that uh, Riley Nash is going to play center. You know that Sean Corrali is going to play left wing. You know Matt Bolesky is going to play left wing. What will happen? You know that Noel Achari will play right wing. Somewhere in all of this, Nash and Achari will probably play together. Uh, David Backus is in there. Will he play the right side? Will he play with Sean Corrali? Uh, how is that going to work out? Uh, where is Danton Heinen in all of this? Where is Tim Schaller, who's on a one-way contract? Where is he in all of this? Will the Bruins release Teddy Purcell from his uh, professional tryout agreement? Uh, these, these, these and uh, many more decisions face the Bruins. Uh, on defense, it's a little more cut and dried. Tory Krug just got on the ice today after practice. He and Austin Zarnick, who had been ill, uh, Krug for the first time since he had uh, sustained a broken jaw from the puck during a preseason game that was almost over. He was on the ice today doing some skating and uh, drills after uh, the main practices were over uh, with Zarnik. So uh, Krug just taking the baby steps to getting himself back. He's for sure going to miss the first two games of the season, and uh, which are at home versus Nashville on Thursday night, and then uh, at home on Columbus Day afternoon against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, and then they begin a, West, uh, a Western swing. Uh, and and it's unknown whether Krug could be ready for that. So uh, a lot going on that the Bruins have yet to officially solve, but it's time to starting to funnel down. Uh, next week on the uh, Rink Wrap Bruins podcast, I am uh, planning on having Gatehouse Bruins beat writer Mike Loftus uh, in the studio with me, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I actually get to sit next to Mike and uh, enjoy his uh, analysis uh, on a full-time basis uh, when I'm when I'm seeing the Bruins. I'm I'm I'm, I'm with Mike, and uh, and it's it's a great experience because the guy's got a wealth of hockey knowledge, a wealth of hockey savvy, um, and so I'm looking forward to having Mike in here uh, next week uh, when the Bruins are on the road. And then later in the month, uh, Kevin Paul DuPont from the Boston Globe is going to join me as well. So uh, if you want to continue to enjoy uh, some uh, podcasts here, uh, you want to uh, visit southcoasttoday.com. And also I'll link to it on my blog, which is uh, the Rink Wrap blog is blogs.southcoasttoday.com slash Bruins. And I'll also push it on Twitter where you can follow me at Mick Collagio. Uh, so that's it for today, the uh, Bruins Rink Wrap Podcast. We'll see you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.